All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Stack Strength Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel DeBrock. And with me today, um, we're going to be talking with Andy Morgan. Uh, do you prefer Andy or Andrew? Andy, please. Uh, Andrew is only when I'm in trouble, and that's been a long time. Uh- <laughs> awesome. So we're going to be discussing um, weight fluctuations when dieting. Uh and we've got a lot of really interesting things to cover. But before we do, first off, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us on the on the show. It's great to have you here. Can you give a little bit of a background of yourself and kind of what you do in the industry for those who maybe aren't familiar with you? Sure. So um, I'm not very stacked and I'm not very strong. So I'm a little surprised and honored to have you on. It means I've bluffed my way very well in this industry. Um okay. It's because I hang out with stacked and strong people. So I'm the classic fake it till you make it guy. So you've had some guests on like um, um, Mike Touchere, Greg Knuckles, uh, Eric Helms. Um, I'm honored to consider these people friends. Um, They they are at a completely different level from myself. So my background for the last 11 years I've coached uh, it's all been online. It's uh, via two websites. There's ripbody.com and there's athletebody.jp. Um, JP for Japan. Uh, but you may hear in my accent that I don't sound very Japanese. I'm British. And I moved out to Japan uh, nearly 17 years ago now um, after I graduated. I was teaching English and then I... Uh, I ended up uh, leaving that when I started writing for my friends in the gym who um, I felt they were getting ripped off by the supplement industry here. And I felt that the that is more of a thing in Japan and still is because of the language barrier, because science is communicated primarily in English. And most Japanese people, vast, vast, vast majority of Japanese people, uh, their English isn't good enough to even consider looking through information um, to to find whether the stuff that's marketed to them is true or not. I just started writing, blogging, blogging in English, simple articles, having those translated into Japanese. And um, then I split off uh, the original website was called ripbody.jp. I, I bought the .com for that, split it off onto the Japanese website, and we've just been on the Japanese website translating articles and now writing our own. I've got a team. Um, and then on the and articles focused on making things a little simpler for people. So whereas um, Eric uh, Helms, that is, um, Greg Knuckles, Stronger by Science, Eric Trexler, you know, many of um, science heavy. Um, mine would be still evidence-based, but just say a step down in the chain of simplifying things. So my customers tend to be knees. Um, they're knowledgeable, they're smart, they could do things for themselves, but they're just you know, they recognize that it's not really worth their time to go too heavy. Just it's better to spend their energies elsewhere. Uh, identifying good information within our industry because there's so much misinformation out there. So that's who I work with. Um, and my reputation is essentially just 
um, simplifying things for people, writing guides to for nutrition and training. Uh, it's mainly for novice slash intermediate trainee um, who's frustrated. And I've just kind of written things and tried to make them too good to not share. And so in doing that, the articles get shared around the internet and all with friends and um, hire me. And that's what's kept me in fresh undies the last 11 years. Uh, awesome. You know what? <clears throat> I, uh, I, one thing that I will say is I think you're being a little bit too modest. Um, probably one of the most important skills as a coach to have are the soft skills and being able to communicate information effectively to, to spur on the desired outcome. Because realistically, and it's funny, so, so I was on a podcast earlier this morning and they were talking to me about like background and what do you think you need to study next? And it's just like, I probably use about 1% of what I actually know on clients realistically. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. you too, you know, it's like, but you could go off on all these tangents, but it's just not relevant. And so I think the big missing piece that's really been changing probably in the last handful of years has been a little bit more of a client centered approach, a little bit more of a client centered focus instead of being like, you know, hey, let's use all this technical jargon to to sort of pat ourselves on the back within, you know, amongst our peers. And so that's something I've always seen you do really, really well at is take these kind of complex things and say, okay, how does that pertain to you as an individual? How can you use that in your own life, like literally tomorrow, to create some sort of change? And so that's one thing that I wanted to kind of highlight since you didn't really say it, but <laughs> thank you. That that actually the the way that i've trained myself to do that because it doesn't come naturally right mm -hmm. it's not easy no, like i was reading an article by yeah i was I was reading an article by uh paul graham um he's an investor you can look it up very smart dude um he, i say article and essay and he was talking about um the the value of writing in clarifying your thinking and then this idea that if you've you've had a thought but you haven't actually written it down have you actually fully thought that thought yet because Putting stuff into writing, actually trying to teach what you know, is a real test of whether you actually know it well, and whether you can communicate that effectively with people. So one thing I've tried to encourage throughout the years, and I think is part of the reason why the um, disproportionately successful to the number of articles that I've put on it, um, is that I've really encouraged comments and reader feedback. And that has really called me on my shit straight away when I've screwed up. So someone's had a comment and they've like, you know, ah, oh, well, what does this mean? And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I could have explained that better. So then I'll go back in and I'll rewrite and I'll say thank you and then I'll explain. And every time someone's done that, I've just gone back in and rewritten and improved things. And I've tried to write the articles from the perspective of, okay, for the current clients that I'm coaching, what what kind of article is going to be useful? So I, I work in email with clients, and I, you know, you don't always want to, or it's not always a good idea to to write exceptionally long emails, but giving enough depth and then linking out for further background should they want to read that, um, and then thinking what articles would be 
good for that. Often they've come from initial client communications that I thought, oh, I could expand on this and that would be an article and that would benefit this client and maybe clients for six years in the future and other people who maybe there will be clients at some point or maybe they'll just be, you know, the other hundred or thousand people that um, it's probably a thousand to one people who read the website and actually become a customer. And, and that's, that's great, right? Because we get to help way more people. So by putting that client and thinking how, trying to put myself in those shoes, trying to think through, as I'm reading through my drafts again and again and again, how are they going to F this up when they read it? <laughs> like, how are they going to really screw this up? Ah, okay, right. How am I going What are the shorter sentences, shorter words, simpler words? What are the um, sketches that I can that I can put in. Um, okay, now how can I make this shorter? Um, where are their attention spans going to wane? Right, because if you lose their attention, you're done. One of the most um, humbling things I've ever done is I put a heat map, it's called, on the website, which tracks where people click, but also how far people scroll. Um, and I know you know this, uh, I can see that you're nodding, Daniel. Um, but just for those listening who perhaps don't have a website, um, it, it can tell you how far people scroll in your articles and it's really humbling because you realize that actually the bottom. And then so you can see like where people are dropping off and then you can tweak things there. So that's something that I focused on. And now obviously with social media, just the, the feedback is far more rapid. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good because you get to see, you, you have to understand that people have low attention spans and they're on their phones generally when they're, um, when they're responding with comments on social media. So you need to take what they say with a pinch of salt because often they just haven't bothered to read. But mm -hmm. many times it can still be useful um, in, in explanations and um, helping us, helping me as a coach, uh, my guys, uh, my team um, to improve because that's what it's all about. Often the the thing that the client needs in any given moment to push them forward, it's one or two things explained simply so that they can keep it in their head so that they can go on and execute it. And so that if they're asked, they can then go on and explain it to their people, their loved ones around them. I'm thinking more about the nutrition side of things now rather than the training where they're likely to get pushback and questions from loved ones when they won't have, you know, three pints of the craft beer and a pizza in the evening. So that they can then explain that specifically where they're at and why. And so that helps them too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And in fact, when I first started writing, everything was just a jumbled mess in my head, you know, and it really does force you to clarify your thoughts a lot. And then same thing with speaking and presenting. Holy smokes, it's a completely mm -hmm. different thing to know something and then just kind of coach it versus like communicating it to other people so they can understand at least to your level of depth. And you're like, oh, maybe I don't know this as well as I thought. And it takes a little while for you to kind of work through all the details. So I, I completely agree with that, which is another reason why, I, I guess this leads into you know the, the first question that I have, but another reason why education is such a fundamental component of the coaching process. It's like, you know, as much as some people like, hey, some people just don't want to learn. It's like, you know, those people probably won't see sustainable results unless they just have you for the rest of their life 
And even then they probably still won't see the same results. You have to, you just have to learn. There's certain things that you just can't get over. Um, but that, like I said, that does kind of lead me into the, the first question that I do have for you is hmm. how do you actually approach, uh, approach a weight monitoring, um, strategy when dieting? Because sometimes people get pushed back and I mean, there's a variety of different ways to do that. So how do you, how do you manage that? I have my clients weigh themselves, um, first thing in the morning after they've come and they do that every day. And then they note it at the end of a week. And just for context, I get my. And then just for further context, the majority of my clients, they're very familiar with the articles on my website. And I have written there how I get clients to track what I get them to track and why. And then I show in many. So there's the, the article I'm referring. Uh, diet hyphen progress hyphen tracking you can have a look there if you'd like and there's eight different things i get eight different categories of things i get clients to track maybe sounds overwhelming but it's, it just takes like 10 minutes once a week mm. other than the daily weigh-ins and then from there i show how i use that in the um adjustments um that I make for clients and when I'm teaching the people who are reading the website how to interpret their data and then make adjustments from that for either their cutting phases, bulking phases, coming back to maintenance, transitioning between the three and what they need to expect. And so because the majority of clients are familiar with the website and that's frankly what i want is what i'm looking for in their application forms because they make the best clients right their heads aren't in a completely different place right they've they've maybe been jerked around by the supplement industry right and now they've been spat out and now they're looking for something that's actually um i'm they're ready right for something that has no um, shine and, and, and fancy promises to it, right? Um, it's like, okay, we're going to track things and we're going to make some sensible, small, incremental adjustments and only adjust when absolutely necessary, right? right. Um, and so I write about that all over the website. And so because they're familiar with my stuff, I don't get pushback when it comes to the request of weigh yourself daily because they already know why I do that and how it's valuable. And if there was someone who was like, well, I, I can't weigh myself dead, then either they would read the website and you know become convinced, or they would just go elsewhere. They wouldn't consider hiring me in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it's not a battle that I have to fight. However, that doesn't mean that I don't understand why people have this battle it just means that i don't have a lot of conversations that's of it mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely and i think that's a great sort of funnel right is it gives people the resources until they kind of build up to the point where they feel confident enough to actually you know reach out to you and say hey you know what i'm, I'm ready to take it to the next level let's let's get some coaching let's do all this stuff and then it also manage it manages expectations which is hugely important for for clients so i'm uh i mean i'm not so big anymore i think i'm like at 259 this morning i used to be about 
290 almost. I've been cutting weight the last little while. Um, and, uh, but usually like when I do a check-in with someone or if I do like an initial needs analysis or an onboarding call or something, I mm. very often get, oh, wow, you're like so soft-spoken and da-da-da. Like, I never would have thought you're like this big, tatted, scary dude. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. But there, <laughs> so there's this sort of like disconnect between the perception of what they're going to get versus what they actually get. And, uh, and so I think it's really great that while you're going through that process, you don't even have to be there. You're just using, yeah. leveraging your content. I think that's a that's that's fantastic. I've sent articles to people before as well, but they're they're a little bit different. They're a little bit more dense. They're not not as uh, user friendly as yours, I guess. <laughs> uh huh. Well, I, I mean, if you, you you have a successful coaching business and you're getting the clients that you want to work with, then it, hey, look, it's serving a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Um. That, that, that this is, I would just like to expand on that point. This is the wonderful thing about the internet. This is something that I identified 11 years ago when I was thinking, okay, I want to get out of uh, high school teaching because it's, it's a fixed salary. My time is not my own and it wasn't really scratching my entrepreneurial itch. I thought at the time, okay, well, I can build this website um, in Japanese. I can help out my friends in this gym who are, it's in a really poor area. They're all working class. They don't have a lot of money, but they're wasting maybe $300, $400 on supplements each month because they're all bodybuilders, all powerlifters. But it's like 80% bodybuilders. Pretty much no one at that gym didn't compete, whether that be platform or stage. And uh, it, it broke my heart to see them just spending so much money on, on shit they didn't need. And... Um, so I felt that, okay, I can put up a website, um, a blog, just a simple blog, website's a scary word, write my thoughts on there. That will serve as my online business card. Business cards is still a thing in Japan, but you know, like people can get to know who I am and that can sell them on me before they even meet me. And now blogs, they're less in vogue. I still think they're exceptionally useful. Um, what's generated the majority of, of, of clients um, of business. Um, but now we get uh, social media as well. Instagram is where we know each other from. Obviously, we're connected via various people as well. Um, but yeah, we, we get to show people who we are and what we're about um, before they even see us. So if anyone had to come across your Instagram, they would realize, although you don't do as much speaking stuff, you do have... Um, uh, uh, quite a lot of um, text stuff, but if you, so they may not come across your your spoken stuff and realize that actually you're you're a, a so uh, calmly, softly spoken, maybe softly compared with how you look. Um, you're a calmly spoken, um, very uh, methodical, um, rational uh, guy. Right. Who, who, yeah, thanks. and that to me not, is trustworthy. Try not, be, <laughs> try not to be too, too crazy. There's certain things that definitely rub me the wrong way, but mm. try and contain myself when I'm speaking about them a little, I'll kind of write a post and I'll read it. And I'm like, nah, I can't say that. <laughs> rewrite it, rewrite it. And I'm like, okay, that's the message that I want to get. And it's not necessarily like pointing a finger at anyone, you know, Sometimes you know you get you get emotional, you get heated, you get passionate about a certain subject, and it just doesn't come out quite as clear as you want it. Yeah, you you got to be careful when you're of a certain size mm -hmm. and and look um, that 
you know, when you do get angry, because you will scare the hell out of people around you. <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny, actually. So this is totally like off topic. Um, because like when you're, well, yeah, you're European as well, right? Like, so yeah, talk, I mean, culturally, it's just it's very normal to get very passionate about something you're talking about. Whereas I'm in Canada right now. So if like, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to like my sister about something and we're both like really going up, you know, and they're like, Oh, like, yo, calm down. You guys like, you don't fight. And we're like, well, we're not fighting. Like it's just mm-hmm. how we talk. We're just both really engaged. And it's, it's so funny, like the dichotomy between cultures, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess I, I digress. Um, so and, and I'll add just, just before mm-hmm. that, the, there's one thing I noticed that generally the bigger the more capable um i came to japan for martial arts and i did that for quite a number of years generally the bigger and or the more capable just as prove right there's, there's nothing to prove so for like uh the what i'd say is to this is me speaking to my younger self who might be listening to your podcast right now right it's the the the, the guys who run their big maths are generally less capable, but are less predictable. Yeah. The ones who are quiet and calm, they're the ones that you, uh, well, you're not going to have trouble with them, but you definitely wouldn't want to to mess with. Or, mm-hmm. or it's probably best that you don't mess with. But the ones that are, they're, they're um, yeah, they're <laughs> generally the ones who, um, have the most to say, uh, the least capable. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Kind of runs. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty accurate heuristic, especially in martial arts and things like that. So, um, so getting back to, (laughs) yeah, getting back to like, uh, um, client management. So there, there's always going to be times during a diet phase where the scale just isn't tipping in the right direction you are in a calorie deficit. So this is a big one. A lot of the times people aren't in a calorie deficit and that's the reason why they're not losing weight. But there are many, many times where I'm sure you've experienced this as well, where you have a client, they are meticulous. They're not messing anything up. They're doing everything right. They're hitting their calories. They're hitting their macros. But then they just kind of hit this period where their weight is just kind of stagnant and it doesn't seem to be changing, even though they're in a calorie deficit. And that can be very difficult psychologically. because even in those instances, let's say you increase step count or you increase cardio, or you know you find some other way to increase energy expenditure, and the weight still stagnates, so you know it's not a uh, an energy expenditure issue. You know, you know that there's something else going on. So, how do you navigate? First and foremost, how do you navigate the like troubleshooting that situation, and then second, how do you actually communicate with your athlete or your your client? Um, what that situation is and what needs to be done to move forward. Because I know personally, even right now going through a cut, that's something that can be very, very frustrating and kind of demoralizing because you are putting in so much work. So there's a couple of ways I could do it. Um, for non, Certainly for non uh, that I've written, or I could give them a copy of my book, uh, The Diet Adjustments Manual. I don't know if you know about that one. You know about the muscle and strength pyramids that I, I wrote with Eric and Andrew. Um, but uh, yeah, the the oh, I could give them a copy of a book um, where I talk through things there um, or link them to a quick Instagram video, depending on what level of um, patience and time I think they have for these things. Um, 
and that obviously depends on the person. But obviously in the email, you know, I'd, I'd just explain it as kind of as follows. Um, so you had a podcast with uh, Gnuck, um, where he talked Greg Knuckles, and thirty-five or something like that. I was listening to it yesterday, and he was explaining all of the different factors um, of how our energy needs uh, change as we diet. Um, they they decrease, and uh, broadly speaking, as we go through a gaining phase. And while these, the magnitude, the overall magnitude of all of these changes can add up to a lot, and Greg was talking about how he had gone from, I think, uh, 279 pounds at his zenith, he called it, and now he's uh, at something like 225. Um, so over 50 pounds of... Um, at that point, it's going to be something like 45 pounds of fat loss, maybe 10 pounds of water, gut content, glycogen, something like that, perhaps. Let's call it 50 pounds of fat loss. Uh, that's a lot. And his um, daily maintenance has gone from something like 3,500 to 2,500 calories, unfortunately. So there will be, there can be large magnitudes in, in drops in energy needs. But none of these things happen overnight and so if you have been on point with your diet and you have been your activity levels have not changed and the rate of weight change suddenly stops then we know that you must just be holding on to water or perhaps you had an extra carby meal um, you got some more gut content but essentially, it's just that. And so I say to them, look, it is happening. We're not always going to be able to see it. I address this in advance when they become a client. I say, this is going to happen. So prepare yourself. Um, it doesn't mean it actually always will for all clients. But you know, just tell them that it will at the start just to set the expectations. And, um, and then I just say, look, keep calm. And I, I try to coach them to take motivation in the fact that they are still executing their adherence to their diet and their training in the day-to-day. -day. And so then I try and shift their, um, their, their mindset away from what is the scale? What are we doing? Because the, the progress that we see that that's a lagging indicator of the habits, the actions, the habits that we've set and the actions that we're doing in many cases. Mm -hmm. Explain it. And then let's say a client has a sudden spike in weight. And again, this is in the dieting context. Then I just say, hey, well, you know, did you, did you eat like off plan? Yeah, you know, I, I had like a um, half of a pizza it was only a small one and a few craft beers the other night we just you know it happened it happened so i'm like okay well and they've gained like four pounds or two kilos and i'm like okay and they're a bit down about it i'm like right well what does that mean well let's do a little bit of math here um if it takes three thousand five hundred calories 
um, or 3,500 uh, 3, calories to store a pound of fat or 7,700 calories to store a kilogram of fat. Uh, what might this pizza and, and, and beer run have been? Well, mm, maybe 2,000 calories at the max. And let's say that your that was your evening meal and you had like a, a breakfast and a lunch. And then the total that you consume that day was say 4,000 calories. But your target at this point is now 2,000 calories. Well, that means we went 2,000 calories over. Now, you aren't going to store that 2,000 calories perfectly as fat. But let's say that we did. And, and if they like pick up on that and they're like, well, what, what can happen there, Andy? And I can talk about thermic effect of food and like all of that kind of shit. But generally, it's, it's not the point that the client wants to focus on. Um, so let's say that that was perfectly stored. Well, that would mean that you've got four-sevenths of a pound of fat that's stored or two-eighths of a kilo of fat has been stored, but your weight has gone up by, as I said, four pounds, two kilos. It cannot be all fat. Mm -hmm. And what I've just said is the worst case. Therefore, keep calm, carry on, don't worry. You're gonna see a whoosh down over the next one, two, three, four days. And yeah, I promise you, don't worry about it. By the time of our next check-in in two weeks, it's all gonna be good. And maybe we can have a little bit of a back and forth about uh, on that if necessary. But generally what happens is they see these things themselves. And so they just get used to it over time. And that's also one of the reasons that I have check-ins every couple of weeks. It's not just message me whenever you like. It's an email check-in every two weeks because I want them to see that these swings happen so that they aren't checking in with panic in any given moment mm -hmm. yeah that's how i approach that no i think that's fantastic and a lot of the times <clears throat> it's it's so critical to sort of differentiate between you know how you feel about a particular subject versus what's actually going on and so the fact that you take that sort of methodical approach and like okay here's this are you with me here's this are you still with me here's this are you still with me it's like if they can say yes up to that point, and then you're like, okay, so is it possible that you gain, you know, two kilos? They're like, well, no. It's like, okay, so what, what do you think it might be? And then they can answer for themselves. And it is kind of alleviating once you sort of understand that. And so I, I really love that that approach of, of conversation. And I think the the soft skills of coaching, that discussion piece is absolutely critical. And so uh, you know, one of the things that I really think is probably I'm going to say it's probably more important than the actual program itself, um, which is a very bold statement. And I might be wrong, but it's, it's something that I've been suspecting for the last several months anyways, is that the relationship you have with your, with your client is probably more important than the actual program itself um, in the sense that you can actually get more buy-in. You, you get them to really like trust you and appreciate that you've got their best interest in mind, that you're not going to lead them astray, that you know what you're doing and that if they just kind of, because sometimes people can't believe in themselves, like they doubt. And that's one of the yeah. reasons why people get coaches in the first place is they're just like, they might be doing all the right things, but not for a long enough period because they question themselves three weeks in and then just say, fuck it and throw it all through the hands in the air. Yeah. But when they do that with you, you're there to kind of calm them down, guide them again. And so they can kind of persist. And so sometimes it's really important, but uh, I really love that approach that you take with, with the clients on that and kind of walk them through that because that is a very, 
jarring experience. But then after you've had it three or four times, it sort of becomes insignificant almost. You're like, ah, I've been here before, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you get it. Um, there's a couple of things I'd like to um, pull apart there. Um, one is uh, the client believing in themselves. Um, if they believe in us as the coach, then they are way more likely to follow through and not question things. They're likely to train harder. Um, it's not that we don't want them to question things, but like sometimes progress isn't going to show up nearly as we said, and they just need to trust in the process. Like definitely when it comes to like strength, once you pass a certain level, definitely, definitely when it comes to uh, muscle growth, right? <laughs> you just cannot see that on a week to week or on necessarily a month to month basis and pick that apart from fat concretely. Um, so they, that plus what we can also do, one thing I've really tried to encourage my clients to do without forcing them, but is to be open to sharing their journey. And so I put a, something like a hundred, um, before and after photos, um, on the website, on the results page, um, uh, ripbo.com result slash results if anyone wants to have a look and see kind of the tone that I take with that. I've got some videos on there, but scroll down to the pictures. Um, that's where I'm mainly thinking. Um, and the client is talking through what they were frustrated with, how the coaching helped them, and what the takeaways were for anyone who is looking to do this themselves. It's not why they should hire Andy. Like, I'm not making myself the center of attention here. It's like, or, or one of my team. It's like, what the, what's the takeaway lesson for those looking to do this? Mm -hmm. And often it is a case of, of patience, right? And diligent tracking and trying not to get emotional in any given moment. Um, now, the, the, other thing you mentioned, um, just to wrap up kind of a scale weight um, fluctuations piece for anyone who's reluctant to do it, um, if I were to have that conversation, um, let's say they, they, they haven't bought into the idea that they're going to weigh themselves every day, and so they haven't had a chance to see all of this happen yet, right? Let's say I've got someone who's just super reluctant. Um, I wouldn't be working with them, but let's say they're a friend, um, and they're like, no, 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 I can't do it. Well, then kind of the framework that I'd think through is, okay, well, number one, do they need to track their weight to see progress where they are currently at? Um, if the answer is no, then I might just be like, hey, you want to get into, or do you have a pair of jeans now? Like, you know, you can just kind of see the differences there in how they're going to fit over time, right? So look, you're going to do these things and then is that's when it may be a good idea to start weighing and measuring yourself. Is that cool? All right, cool. All right, great. Now, at that point that they're then frustrated, and I think a little bit of frustration is key because it putting in a bit more effort here. Um, and that's the same thing for all things, right? Um, that's when I'd say to them, all right, so coming back to the scale thing, I want you to weigh yourself last thing at night and weigh yourself first thing in the morning. Tell me what you get. And they're like, wow, it's like half a pound. Of it's because you lose water when you breathe overnight and maybe you sweat a little because it's the summer. And they're like, all oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, cool. Right now I want you to weigh yourself after you went to the toilet 
um, in the morning. Um, compare that with before. Compare it with pre and post breakfast. Um, then do a mid afternoon and then do it at night again. And I want you to just note that down. It's like, well, what's going on here? And they're like, well, yeah, it's kind of fluctuating a bit. It's like, cool, yeah, yeah, hasn't it just? Okay, now I want you to have a bit of a, uh, a bit of extra salt on your scrambled eggs at breakfast tomorrow and then see how your weight's doing like by mid afternoon. Has that gone up considerably since yesterday? It's like, yeah, there's the same breakfast, right? And like, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, there you go. So now you know not on that calories don't count train. You know that that can't be fat. Um, I can explain that a bit of salt increases water in the body, etc. But you know that can't be fat. You can see that there are these fluctuations. So what we need to do is take our weight at the same time of day and then average it out so that we can get around this noise in the data and see the underlying progress. Does that make sense? And that's perhaps like the the framework I'd use for explaining it to someone who's reluctant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense as well, right? It's sort of like a graded exposure approach, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a lot of misconceptions regarding weight management and what the process looks like. And so when, when you're working with um, a client and I'm sure that at some point you've worked with individuals who come in with pre-existing notions in terms of what works, what they have to do versus what's probably actually going to work a little bit better for them. So in those instances, I've actually, there, depending on what it is actually, I might have a conversation with them about it and try and kind of convince them against it. If I suspect that they're pretty like dead set in it, especially if they're new, um sometimes i actually will just let them do it and be like here's what i think is going to happen but let's try it out if you really think so here's why i think that's not going to be true but if you really want to do it and you're you're going to set you're going to set dead set on doing it then okay let's try it out and then when it fails <laughs> i can be like hey so that went exactly how i said it did didn't it and they're like yeah and then it's like all right cool so that gets a little bit of buy-in but that's always that's not always the case and i mean sometimes some of the things they want to do are actually potentially dangerous to themselves so that's obviously not something i'd be comfortable doing you know putting them at risk for for whatever reason so you know i'd be interested to hear how you tackle those situations sometimes you know like i i gave one example but there's a million different ways of approaching it, i guess so how do you navigate those conversations could you give me um say a nutrition example and then i'll sure. So, um, hey, I, uh, I want to lose weight and, you know, get lean. Um, I'd like to compete in this bodybuilding show, but uh, I've been reading about the carb-insulin hypothesis, and I really want to go keto, something along those lines. Oh, okay. So it's tricky, right? Because if you, at that point, you don't necessarily know rabbit hole this person has gone with that how big their buy-in to that idea is um whether you're trading on any um quote-unquote sacred uh, beliefs so if you kind of try to fight it um straight up um it could backfire and it could be like nah who's this guy he's, he's a dick ah he's one of them right so you know 
it's different strokes for different folks and you have to know whether you have to kind of make a call um or try to make a call because every answer my being just wants to be like no that that's that's it's fucking dumb like this guy is like one of the most insidious charlatans uh won't name any names but like in our industry they're talking obvious bunk is that they're talking um what's well, it's, it's pseudoscience right it sounds like science And yeah, you could go down that train. Um, this isn't something that I typically get, as you may be able to tell. And again, it's because of the, the content that I put out. Like we attract clients um, based on the content that we generally put out, right? Um, one approach would be, as you said, to be like, okay, well, we can do a higher fat diet and roll with it for a while and see how you do and then adjust from there. Would that be all right with you? And then like, yeah, it's like, great. So just to clarify on the adjustment thing, what we're going to do, I'm going to give you a set amount of, of protein and um, fat uh, and, and vegetables um, mainly and it, I guess, again it depends what is keto like a lot of people they don't think keto is, as we do which is 50 grams or under like that that kind of, of carbohydrates um, so you can just yeah I guess let them run with it and then see how it goes and tell them okay well if it stops working then we are going to drop um, your calorie intake um, to make it lower if things stop working which they won't according to your, your man but you know that's the approach that I've done successfully with clients you know throughout the years mm -hmm. I, I guess if it were someone to that extent they just wouldn't want to hire me and I don't know how I would I don't know how I could approach it if they weren't open to that I would want to check that my way of looking at things and adjusting things for people they were on board with at first. Mm -hmm. Because if not, what are, I guess, what are they going to come back with? Oh, well, we're not high fat enough. Or is it, oh, well, the protein is causing too much of an insulin spike and then that is uh, blocking and then what protein goes down? Yeah. They're um, now losing muscle mass. Well, they wouldn't necessarily be losing muscle mass, but they're, they're just not certainly not making the most of their training. I say not losing muscle mass because they're still probably at calorie maintenance or above. I don't know. That particular one is a tricky one. Um, but I, I think your approach of explaining, allowing, seeing what's going to, uh, what the approach will be if or when things stop working, stop working after a time with dieting or training and then we will need to make tweaks and here's the framework that I think through in how to make tweaks and ask them if they're on board with that and I've got an article as you may have guessed on on covering like uh, you know the framework in which that I troubleshoot um, diet programs 
and if they're on board, cool. And if not, then I guess they're going to hire someone else and be frustrated for a while. No, and that makes a lot of sense. And I've definitely run into situations where I've had to just say, hey, you know what? I, I just, I don't know that this would be a good fit. Um, I know a lot of people sometimes will brag about, oh, I fired a client. I've only quote unquote fired one client in like across like 10 years of coaching. So I don't think that's really a strategy, but I definitely think that there have been instances, only a handful, I think. Uh, so I've been pretty lucky as well, where I get someone, I'm like, you know what? I just, I don't know if I'm a good fit. So I had someone who had an eating disorder and um, they had a full blown eating disorder. And I've dealt with quite a few people like that before. So I'm very familiar with it. And like, but the issue with this one was they weren't willing to see a clinician. And so for me, that was kind of a non sequitur. I was just like, I, you know, I just don't feel comfortable working with you unless mm -hmm. you're simultaneously working with the clinician. They said they didn't want to. And I was like, you know what? Okay. I just, maybe I'm not the right guy for you. Here's some people who are registered dietitians who do specialize in these things. I'd highly recommend you check them out. But again, they're pretty few and far between, but, um, and yeah, I mean, that just goes back to, you know, kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of, about, how important that that communication aspect and the client relationship is uh but we are coming up on you know uh that that kind of time cap and so i wanted to be respectful of your time so where can people find you andy uh ripbody.com um or on instagram it's uh andy underscore ripbody that's a brand not necessarily a description <laughs> awesome so all that stuff's going to be linked up in the show notes guys definitely go make sure you give him a follow check out his page um, and, and his website. He puts out tons of great content on a regular basis. Andy, thank you so much for jumping on, man. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Honored. And uh, for those who've listened to the end, I really appreciate your ears. Thank you. <laughs>